0: Hello there, my name is Big Boss, and this is the Big Boss Book Club. So, I've been wanting to do a, a podcast for uh, quite a bit. I even actually um, did an initial recording of one. Going back a couple of years now with my friend Jim, um, where we had a chat about different things, movies, wrestling, um, unfortunately I just never really got around to publishing it or or getting it out there, and by the time it came to a point where I could, it it was so dated and (laughs) um, there would have been absolutely no point publishing it, Um, so I thought well I'll give it a fresh go, um, start from scratch. Essentially what I want the Big Boss Book Club to be about is talking about, mainly games, I guess. Uh, gaming, and um, by gaming I mean um, card games, uh, board games, of so trading card games, uh, living card games, um, board games, um, sort of the, the stuff that I do um, in my social time <laughs> when I get a chance in the current uh, lockdown situation and really just kind of get a, a feel for things that are about at the moment um i figured i would sort of do like a a season one and that season will essentially just go through my journey in terms of sort of trading card games again trading card games board games living card games uh, to get to where i am now and then moving forward once i've done that i'll probably start like a like a season two uh, where i'll sort of go into something a little bit more up to date maybe do some like talk about some wrestling um go through so sort of, sort of live playthroughs uh, thoughts feelings emotions in terms of current games um in terms of what i'm playing especially with my friends try and get a few different people on uh, my friend luke for example uh, who was gracious enough to let me be on his podcast uh, my friend jim who, who's always sort of informative and again a, a good chance for me and him to get a second crack at the whip in terms of getting a podcast out there um, so i hope everyone in, in enjoys what they hear um and so, what we'll start off with first, in terms of uh, timeline, is the, the what got me into card gaming. What got me into um, sort of board gaming, card gaming in general, is uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, the trading card game. So, what I'll do is I'll, I'll sort of go through in a bit of a, a pre-planned order, um, just going through some um, different parts or so things like introduction, um, how I got into the game. Um, Uh, my sort of favourite cards and and decks that I play, Uh, memories in terms of how the game was played or or memories I have of playing the game. Go into some things like uh, sort of worst memories, sort of things that I I don't like about the game, Um, current state of the game, so in some cases the games I've played are no longer in production, so I sort of go through what happened there briefly, Um, and then sort of final thoughts, feelings, emotions, and sort of a summary at the end. Um... So what we'll do is we'll have another quick interlude, and then we'll come back and I will start off to discuss Yu-Gi-Oh! The Trading Card Game. Okay, so um, we'll start off with, again, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Trading Card Game. Um, in quick brief brief introduction to the game itself so essentially yugioh uh, is based on a, a japanese um, manga um, which was then converted into an animated tv series um it was the animated tv series that got me it, it kind of got me into it and um, essentially my I finished school um 2003 <laughs> long time ago the went around to my um auntie mandy's house um son robert was there uh he was watching it on the uh the telly so i was sort of a bit curious not seen it before what's this he sort of explains to me oh it's, it's this show it's it's called yugioh um I, i'm actually playing the card game myself um he was playing it with his girlfriend's um younger brother at the time he sort of went through some stuff with me showed me the cards um kind of Gave me a few cards to sort of have build, like made me a deck essentially, and we we played off a few times. Obviously, trounce makes I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, the game itself is a, a trading card game. So, um, essentially, you you can buy starter boxes which have like a set set load of cards in, um, but then you can buy booster packs which have a, a random assortment of cards that you can then get to to boost your. Your pre-existing carpool Um the game was actually originally produced in in over in the europe and uh, america by oppa deck entertainment i believe it was in japan it was still produced by konami um eventually konami took over production completely so globally konami are now in charge of, of printing and production and distribution of, of the trading card game um so that's essentially just a bit of a brief introduction to the actual game itself um again another quick break <laughs> help break this episode up sorry i'm sorry um and then we'll come back and we'll sort of go into uh, how the game is played and then really a bit more in depth in terms of how i got into it and, and my journey to sort of how i got to play you. Okay. welcome back um so uh, again continuing with Oh the trading card game So a little bit briefly now in terms of how the game is played. Uh, Essentially, the aim of the game is to reduce your opponent's life points from 8000 to 0. There are various different cards in the game. Uh, Monster cards, uh, spell cards, trap cards are the three main uh, variants that you'll see in, in the actual main deck itself. Each player has like a little, it's called the extra deck, which essentially is 15 cards that contains, uh, again, different types of monsters. Those are uh, fusion monsters, um, Xyz monsters, and synchro monsters. Um, They can be brought out in the game by using special cards or having certain cards on the field. It's essentially just like a bit of an extra, um, almost like an additional hand that is always there, that sits at the side of your deck and you can access it when you need to um again yeah, the main point is to reduce your opponent's life to point zero um how you do this essentially is you have monsters and spell cards that and even trap cards that will do damage to your opponent whether that's in having monsters do combat or whether having spells that have trigger abilities like deal x amount of damage to your opponent trap cards often do the same thing do x damage to your opponent um but again the main point of the uh, the game is to is to Get your opponent down to no life points. Um, again, how I got into it, as I sort of briefly mentioned, um, it was really due to um, my his son, Robert. Um, again, he introduced it to me um, when I went around there, not long after I finished school. we Again, he sort of gave me some cards and we played and it didn't really go very well for me. Because um, again, pretty new, no idea what I was doing. It was my first real experience of of trading cards as well. I'd had Pokemon cards when I was at school, but I didn't know how to play the Pokemon card game. I just had the Pokemon cards, um, so it, it was it was completely new. At the same time, it was kind of refreshing. It was it was nice and it was kind of engaging. It got you thinking, um, very strategic, and and sort of lots of thoughts on how you were gonna get your opponent down to zero. The as i said essentially the point was you buy booster packs to to bolster your pre-existing carpool so what i ended up doing was i went into town um, where i went into the local virgin mega store again showing my age uh, virgin mega stores are not around anymore Um, and i got myself a couple of starter decks um, different starter decks obviously and i bought the yugi and kyber starter decks and then virgin also had uh, american imported cards so i bought the pegasus starter deck as well Um, Stupidly put all these these decks together to build like what was a, essentially like a a nearly 150 card deck. So of course, didn't get very far. Average deck size is generally around the 40 card mark. That's the minimum you can put in. I I personally generally never go above 41, 42 at a push, depending on how quickly I can get through my deck. The lucky thing was when i was sort of in town and i was going into virgin megastore and i was buying these boosters um, i found out that there was actually a local stall on our local market that actually sold um, Yu-Gi-Oh cards sold packs sold individual cards i um, had a, a sort of visit there with a couple of my friends who had also kind of then got into the game Because they saw me with the cards and were like, oh, what are them? Oh, okay, we'll we'll pick them up as well. Um, And I actually ended up getting a job on that market stall. Um, So again, it kind of exposed me more to the game because i wasn't just seeing um me my, uh, robert his brother andrew got into it of course um, my friend harrison um we all kind of were playing we used to have these big multi-man games where it was just oh so slow because nobody was doing anything everyone would just put everything in defense mode <laughs> um and kind of just not not do anything um I got this job at this market stall, a lot more exposure to the game, met a few different people, all became really good friends, still friends now, which is something I always always really sort of like about trading card games in general. My, a lot of my friendship circle comes from uh, gaming of one variety or another, so it's quite nice to, to know that these things do build friendships, which is, which is really cool. Um, again, uh, got the job in the crew market stall. Was there for a good few years actually. In fact a lot of my uh, gaming uh, timeline. Uh, will come from being exposed to these games. While, by working at that store. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh was pre pre the store. But, but a lot of my other games came from there. The uh, Yu-Gi-Oh game again. Very dear to me. Because of that sort of relationship I had with Robert. Who's probably one of my closest friends. Um, but again. We had this interaction. We turned up with this uh, massive deck that I never was going to get anywhere fast luckily though I had some luck with my boosters, I pulled a couple of um, my first pack of Legend of Blue Eyes which was the very first pack for, for Yu-Gi-Oh! I pulled a super rare in my first pack, um, Metal Raiders which was the next series after Legend of Blue Eyes, um, pulled an ultra rare in my first pack which was really cool um, but essentially that's how I really got into the game um and sort of it went from there and again as we'll go through in sort of episodes to come kind of spiralled in terms of how many games I played um, essentially from from getting to work at this market store Um, so we'll have another quick break uh, just for a couple of seconds give you a chance to uh, recap and then we'll come back we'll just talk about again sort of favourite cards my memories of playing the game and sort of the experiences I had and then we'll move on from there Welcome back. Um, so, what I'll do now is just sort of go into my, my favourite cards, really. Uh, talk about just sort of um, my favourite cards and sort of the decks I've played, why I sort of got into them, and really sort of the impact they've had on, on my gaming experience. So, I suppose, really, my. I'd probably be remiss to say there was a, a set of cards called the God Cards. Um, that were really, really big in sort of the original Yu-Gi-Oh uh, TV series and the initial part of the the trading card game. I remember working at the uh, stall. Everyone would always, all these little kids and even sort of uh, teenagers, people my own age, would come up and be like, "How do you do? You sell the god cards?" I said, "Well, no, because at the time it, they, they were out. They were part of a. Um, they came with one of the video games. I think it was for maybe the Game Boy Advance, maybe." Um, so you could get them, but they, they weren't easy to come across. The, I, I suppose I'd be remiss to, to ignore them as, as my favourite cards, because I think my favourite card would probably be Obelisk the Tormentor, um, who's one of the God cards, and it was always considered to be, probably like, especially in the animation, it was always considered to be the weakest, yet always seemed to be made out to be the strongest. Um, he had 4,000 attack points, which was nothing to um, shy away from. Although the original print of the card didn't have a special ability, um, later they did print usable versions of the God cards, which had abilities. I was never too struck on Obelisk's actual ability, but I did really um, really like Obelisk as, as, as a card. So he would probably be my favourite all-time Yu-Gi-Oh card, if I'm completely honest. In terms of archetype, if I was going to say a specific archetype as being my favourite... I would probably have to skip because you had Yu-Gi-Oh! the animated series and then you got the series that spanned after that. So you had Yu-Gi-Oh! GX was the next series. I never really watched anything past GX. So there's um, there's a couple more series. There's 5Ds, um, Zexal um, and a, a couple of others. I can't remember the names, but... I, I kind of gave up after GX. For me, was the final was the final <laughs> series. For me, but one of the big um, archetypes in the GX series is um, heroes. Heroes were so, you know, elemental. Heroes were used by the main character, um, Jane Yuki. He used elemental heroes, but they introduced some different different types of heroes as the series progressed. Destiny heroes um, were used by Asta Phoenix as of season two. Without a doubt, probably my favourite archetype in terms of Yu-Gi-Oh! The card game. They, I don't know, they just, they weren't very strong, <laughs> but they had some really cool abilities, and I built a deck out of them, and I really enjoyed playing the deck. The deck seemed to get better and better. They did release some... Some really good support for them down the line, especially in terms of fusion monsters. So, when they started introducing more fusion monsters for Destiny Heroes, they really started seeing. Uh, I started using them a lot more and actually found that I was actually winning games with them in my local, sort of, by this time casual game. In I wasn't playing competitively anymore by the time I picked up Destiny Heroes. Um, another branch as well would be Evil Heroes. Anyone who knows me knows that if I'm Getting into a game that people are already playing. If there is an evil version of what they are playing, I will probably play them. So, for um, example is uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand. Um, my cousin was playing Space Marines when he nagged me and nagged me and nagged me to start playing the game. I picked up Chaos Space Marines. Um, one of my friends was playing Eldar, or they're not called Eldar anymore. It's um, Eldari, I think they're called now. Um, but then I picked up Dark Eldar, which call, uh, now called Drukhari. Um, so I always, always play the evil versions of what, what my friends are playing. So evil heroes, when I saw them, were like, yeah, these are these are what I need to play. Um, they recently gave them some more support as well, which I actually did pick up. Um, I think I'm maybe only missing maybe one card. Well, one copy of one of the cards for for a full play set. Um, but I, I think if I was going to choose between Destiny and Evil Hero, it would definitely be Destiny Heroes. One thing that really got me into the game, and it was actually due to my... As I mentioned, when I bought my first Metal Raiders pack, I pulled an Ultra Rare. That card was Barrel Dragon, which really sort of got me into Machine cards. So, Machine is just a type of card. There's all sorts of different cards. Uh, Spellcasters, uh, Warriors, Fairy, Aqua... Sea Serpent um, machine is is one of those one of those car types, and the series influenced that because I really liked Bandit Keith from the original series. Uh, Bandit Keith played machine monsters, was a bit of a bit of a bad guy, Um, was a little bit of a cheater. He he he, you know, had cards up his sleeve that he would pull out, and was was (laughs) a bit of a naughty guy. But yeah, his him sort of playing machines really inspired me and he actually played barrel dragon which again made me think oh my god i've got this card this guy's got it on the tv series it must be really good and <laughs> in terms of um, gameplay maybe in the first two sets it wasn't too bad um, as the game progressed it, 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 i don't think i've ever seen anybody play a barrel dragon the other flip side of that was it actually made me pick up and collect machine type monsters so I actually have a I still have a folder that is full of machine monsters and their support cards so spells and traps that that support those those machines and I think another big influence was when especially when I came back into the game um later on when sort of GX was was showing the one of the main characters in the series then his name was Jane Truesdale Played cyber um, dragons and cyber dark dragons, so when I sort of saw the series and 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 found almost a a relationship to that character, uh, I, I definitely started picking up the the cyber dragon stuff and the cyber dark uh, dragon uh, cards as well. So I think that that archetype as well was was really influential in terms of my playing, especially towards the end of. I mean, I still play the game in a casual sense. But at that time there was still a little level of competitiveness and I, I really wanted to sort of be competitive. Um but as I'll sort of discuss later on, that, that quickly fizzled out and I, it just stick to casual gaming. But I think in terms of cards, those would be my favourite. So Obelisk the Tormentor in terms of a single card. An actual archetype, um, it would be Destiny Heroes, and in terms of monster type itself, well definitely machines. Um look at really sort of my memories of, of playing the game next. So I'll go into sort of the first tournament I played in. Um, again, a little bit more look at what I mentioned earlier about big multi-man games. Um, and then we'll sort of go forward from there again into sort of my my negative thoughts on the game and, and negative memories that I have of the game. And then we'll move on from there. So we'll, again, have another quick break. Give you time to recoil from the from the information I've thrown at you. And then we'll get back into it. Welcome back. Um, as I said, we'll go into sort of my uh, memories in terms of the, the game, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Trading Card Game, um, in sort of a positive light before we <laughs> look at the negative things. Um, so my very f- we actually had a great opportunity when I worked at Crew Market where we noticed there was a lot of people we come in and, and buying Yu-Gi-Oh! and asking about Yu-Gi-Oh! and we had this idea of building a local tournament scene because it wasn't really anything about at the time um, the uh, chap I worked for, who's ironically, ironically his name is also Tom um, he'd rented out a local church hall and so people could go and play there, like they gave him a couple of quid um, to cover the cost of renting out the church hall and they could go play there and trade there and stuff like that, but we didn't really have a, a, a proper tournament scene. So there was no real support at the time that we knew about anyway. So what we did was we actually went about me and Robert by, by we, uh, me and Robert decided we would set up a tournament and with, with Tom who ran the, the, the stall would, would up this, this, this tournament and, and get people, people in and people playing and get more exposure. Uh, which is always good because then you learn more about the game, you learn more about strategies and how people play and and what their thoughts are on cards and things like that. So we set up a tournament scene. Uh, We called the tournament Rare Hunter because at the time we were watching season two of Yu-Gi-Oh! and it was the Rare Hunters were the bad guys. So we set up the Rare Hunter tournament and I remember people coming up to me like parents and saying, listen, if my son loses, he doesn't have to hand over his rarest car, does he? And we were like, no. <laughs> we'd never we'd never ask anybody to do that. Um, but we had this this tournament. We had a, a really good turnout for it, actually. And we had a juniors division and then we had like a seniors division. Um, I can't even remember what, what the divide was there. I can't remember what the age gap was. I think it may have been like, under like 12s, maybe were juniors, and, and over 12s were seniors. But the first tournament we did was like a. I actually managed to come second, Robert came first. Funnily enough, we had we actually had, had a really good turnout, so don't think that it was just me and Rob playing because it wasn't. Um, me and Rob in the finals was was really cool um, at the time. I was playing like what called call Bernadette, which essentially. The deck did a lot of stalling, so did a lot of keeping your opponent at bay. And the objective of the game was to use effects to to sort of um, essentially burn your opponent's life points. So I didn't have combat in there in the traditional sense of summoning a monster and attacking with it. Did pack Obelisk the Tormentor um, because we actually set out, we allowed God cards. You were only allowed to pack one. You had to have it on your deck list when you handed it in. And you had to use the rules we we set which essentially were very close to the TV series rules. So, for example, I was using Obelisk. So, Obelisk's ability was you could tribute two monsters, um, you would destroy all your opponent's monsters and inflict 4,000 points of damage, but then you had to skip your battle phase, which was what we did for for Obelisk to, to balance it out. In the actual game, the ability is pretty much the same, but you can actually attack and you don't do the 4,000 damage. So, the idea is this, this I suppose there's placed a little bit of risk there in terms of dealing that 4000 attack but i didn't really want to do that with with our rules um so i used obelisk and and actually managed to get him out in a couple of games worked really well the but the objective of my deck was to burn your opponent's life points without ever actually really doing any any fighting if you could get away with it um but yeah i came second which was which was pretty cool um Tom had managed to get hold of some of the uh, McDonald's promos from America, so they were they were given out sort of prizes and tins were given out as prizes. So we walked away from that with a pretty good, pretty good haul. Um, we then because there was a tag team format, wasn't really. Flow in properly in terms of the main game so we, we kind of rejigged the rules and, and came up with our own format for tag team so we set up a rare heart to tag team tournament um, which of course me and rob entered as a tag team and we won uh, which was really fun um the finals was uh, it was actually against one of the juniors um, i can't remember his name off the top of my head um i know his partner's name was howard i remember him because we all sort of used to hang out at the stall and we'd all talk and he he was a pretty cool guy um, but we beat them in the finals which was really fun um and everyone seemed to enjoy that format there was a, there was more poi singles tournaments than there were tag team i think we did maybe two or three different tag team tournaments um i think we only really won the one um, <laughs> which was which was quite good i suppose we came first and second in the first singles one and then we came first in the first tag team one so i, I didn't do too bad for ourselves really Um, One thing I did briefly mention earlier, and I do want to go into, because it's such a a fun memory, is our big multi-man games. So Yu-Gi-Oh! didn't have rules for uh, multi-man games, so three ways, four ways, five ways. We used to sit in my my loft at my parents' house, maybe six, sometimes seven of us, um, playing these big, massive multi-man games where it was like... Every man for himself, like a Royal Rumble type type deal. And those games were quite often so unbelievably slow because nobody wanted to risk risk anything early on. So literally, the first maybe two, three turns around would just be people putting monsters in face-down defence position and ending their turn. My friend Harrison used to be a swine for it where he would put monsters face-down and he'd just play the big defence monsters. Um... Giant Soldier of Stone, Mystic Elf, uh, that had like two thousand defense, um, and at that time were, were were generally considered quite hard to get past. Um, nowadays there'd be no problem at all getting past that, but but back then <laughs> they, were, they were a real nightmare to get past. Uh, and he would just sit there and just yeah, and he'd just wait till like everybody got beaten, and then he'd tribute them and bring out things like Blue Eyes and Dark Magician to to try and finish you off because uh, they're big attack point monster oh. cards. um but yeah, I mean, in terms of memories, those are those are definitely some fun ones. Like I said, the the first rare hunter tournament was was really fun. Um, we uh, I, had, I had a really good showing there. Um, the tag team one was really fun. Uh, Robert was playing an Exodia deck, which which was really funny. We played essentially the decks we played in our single tournament games um, in our tag team, and and we still managed to do pretty well. Rob played Exodia, which essentially is this uh, five card combo where if you get it in your hand, you automatically win. So he, he was kind of trying to get that while I was playing a deck. So I was um, just essentially again keeping the opponents at bay while while chipping away at their life points. So it would be a case of whichever one of the combos won first. Did we get rid of their life points or did Rob get Exodia? We had a pretty good game against um, Robert's brother Andrew and my mate Harrison who teamed up. It, that was a, probably the closest we had in terms of com- what we felt was closest we had in terms of competition in that tournament in fact i think they may have been the only team in the swiss rounds to actually get a a win over us i think we pretty much just whitewashed most people Um, which doesn't sound great but (laughs) um but but it it was enjoyable We, we we enjoyed it anyway um so i think yeah those are probably some of my favorite memories in terms of playing the game Later on, had some fun casual times. We again mainly now it's casual gaming for me. I don't play competitively. In fact, I have absolutely no intention of ever playing competitively ever again. Um, Not in pre-constructed anyway. If maybe a I don't know maybe a draft tournament at some point maybe I might be interested in. But um, definitely not going to be interested in playing any uh, pre-constructed competitive events. But casual gaming, we've had some really good times, especially sort of in the last few years. Um, just kind of coffee table gaming um, but again the decks we're playing now we have a tendency to escalate um, for example ash my uh, Robert's stepson um, put a lot of money into playing his blue eyes deck i'm i did have a blue eyes deck that i was really pushing and, and trying to make work and, and uh, it was doing really well, but once Ash started playing Blue Eyes and, and was putting a lot of money into it and, and bringing out these flash fancy cards that I I wasn't willing to pay for, I just decided to retire the old Blue Eyes deck. So that's gone now. Um, but what I did have was a, a Dark Magician deck that I've I sort of put a bit more effort into. Actually, done the the deed of paying for some of the cards that are in there quite quite expensive cards um which I, I said i was never going to do again but I did because i'm an idiot but i've really enjoyed playing with that and, and that and that's then spurred rob into doing what he's always said he was going to do was build a red eyes decks so now we have someone who plays blue eyes someone who's plays dark magician and someone who plays red eyes and those decks are all really competitive in terms of that casual sense I don't think any of them would stand a chance going to an actual competitive tournament and, and play in, but between the three of us, they're they're quite competitive and, and a little bit more um, harsher than some of the other decks we have built. But yeah, I think those those sort of mo- memories in terms of playing those Rare Hunter tournaments, um, the tag team tournament, which is still really, really near and dear to my heart, and those big multi-man games are probably my favourite memories in terms of playing Yu-Gi-Oh! the card game. And those are the things that I I that probably those feelings of nostalgia probably still keep me playing now. Um, it's, uh, I still have decks built and, and we still play, but yeah, those those things for me are, are what really made Yu Gi Oh um, special. Um, so what we'll do now is again another quick interlude, and then I'll come back and we'll go through some of the negatives experiences that I have had playing Yu Gi Oh, some of the sort of my feelings in terms of what what what's maybe gone wrong with the game. And then we'll we'll sort of move forward from there. Welcome back. Um, As I mentioned, we'll look at sort of my memories in terms of negative memories and negative thoughts about the game. Um, I think three words really... And capture my my negative feelings, and that's invasion of chaos. So that was the name of one of the <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh sets that was printed by Upadek uh, where they introduced what what lovingly became known as the the chaos cards. So chaos cards can essentially be defined as um, monsters you can special summon by removing one light monster and one dark monster from your graveyard to to bring out what is generally an, an annoying generally negative play experience um these cards uh blackluster soldier envoy at the beginning and chaos emperor dragon envoy at the end Uh, there was chaos sorcerer as well which although it was a little bit annoying didn't have the same uh, negative connotation that the other two cards had but when those cards were released we started seeing a lot more of these um chaos decks that were sort of half light half dark and and fed into getting out these monsters because their abilities were so good. Chaos Emperor Dragon pretty much destroys everything and, and deals a load of damage to your opponent based on what's destroyed. Um, and then it becomes this your top in where essentially you've got no cards in your hand, you've got no cards in the field, you're just pulling the top card of your deck and hoping you get something good. Um, the Chaos, uh, the Blackluster Soldier uh, could just remove a monster of yours from the game. Um, it then had to skip its attack, but if you've got more Monsters on the field, you're in um, better luck, or, or even when it did destroy a monster, it could then attack again, which again, if the, the to bring out that level of monster in such an easy way, uh, really, really put a negative spin on the game for me, and I know a few other people as well, that from my my group of, of players, that, that kind of all felt the same, that the, what they call IOC, Invasion of Chaos, uh, really was the sort of decline for them, in terms of playing, they kind of looked at the game and went, oh, I'm not sure if I even still want to do this anymore. I remember being in a tournament when I was still interested in playing competitively and in the first round, just being absolutely uh, trounced by this young kid who'd... Essentially, these cards were really expensive, so <laughs> he'd, he'd clearly not bought these cards. It was clearly Mummy and, and Daddy's uh, credit card that had managed to get these things for him. And I just really felt a sense of... of I, I must admit, I... I a bit of a shame to say it, but not ashamed at the same time. So I actually cried a little bit after losing that game because I just kind of thought to myself, like, this is, this is really going to be it, isn't it? Seeing how um, all it takes now really to play and, and win in this game isn't isn't having sort of good strategy or, or good experience. It's about having who's got the biggest biggest bank account, and that was really where I started seeing that in the game, um, and it really got to me at that point because i'd kind of managed to to kind of roll along with pretty cheap and pretty um pretty budget decks so to suddenly start seeing all these decks pop up where the cards in it were really expensive and the the, they were hard to come by and to see them just kind of trounce and everyone was was really disappointing and i know a few people played like that same lad in that in that tournament and were all kind of like This is ridiculous. Essentially, his mum has won all these games for him because she's paid for these cards because he's he's not he hasn't got a job. He's not old enough. And if he had got a job, he certainly wasn't paying enough to buy these cards. So I think that was for me a really big negative when he started seeing that actually the money was probably going to be the thing that was going to win you win you games more than more than you as a player. And I think the final nail in the coffin for me in terms of competitive play was I went to a tournament in uh, Guys at Game, um, which is a store that's now in Hanley, but it used to be in Fenton. Um, we jumped on the train and we we, we went into Fenton to, to go there for this for this tournament. It was kind of just a bit of a giggle. I, I took my old Bernadette with me thinking, yeah, it's going it, to, it's still going to be classic, isn't it? It's still going to be good. Um, and I think I went with my mate Blateman. And all the way there, I think he took, I think he took maybe an Exodia deck with him, and we got there and we, we were talking all the way there, and we, we'd had a couple of games, and they went a bit back and forward, and we were like, yeah, we're ready for this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good day, and we we got in there, and both of us by the end of it were just so deflated. On the train back, we kind of just looked at each other, and like never again (laughs) um i think the the best way of describing it or best way of of going through it and point it to you my first game so i sit down across my opponent it's like hey mate how's it going like great you know seems friendly enough um roll off i'm going first i put uh, one monster face down in defense position i can't remember what the monster was i seem to think it might have been a giant germ Which was when this is destroyed by battle. It inflicts 500 damage. And you get to bring out two more of them. And then I think my face down card. Was possibly a gravity bind. Which stops anything over level 4. Attacking. Which is in a burner deck. Is absolutely uh, wonderful. So I played this turn. Ended my turn. What you call an old school TV show. Even old school just turn. One monster. One card any turn. Um, He then proceeded to play. It turned out he was playing a, a machine-type archetype uh, called Karakuri, which I've actually looked at and have used in um, like my tablet games and stuff since then. But essentially he brought out five monsters in one turn, uh, destroyed my spells and traps, destroyed my actual monster. I had nothing on the field, and he beat me in term, his turn one. And I looked at him, and Yu-Gi-Oh games and tournaments are best two out of three. And I looked at him and I went is that going to happen in the next game? And he went, probably. And I just went, well, we're not playing then. And he's like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, we're not playing. Sorry. Um, that's, that's not a game, is it? There's no interaction. I've literally played two cards and then you've just beaten me. It was, it was an absolutely horrible experience to have. Um, it's still something that really nags me to this day. It's probably the reason I remember it as vividly as I do. I mean, he was friendly enough and he was nice and and he spoke to me after and he even showed me the deck. It's like, oh yeah, this is how it works. And, you know, if you get... Essentially, it was a case of, as long as you got like one of, I think it was maybe like two, three or maybe even four cards, as long as you got one of those cards in your starting hand, you're pretty much guaranteed to to win or at least have a good showing on your first turn. And I just looked at him, I was just like, how is that fun? This isn't like a, a... a regional tournament or a or a national tournament. This is just a local I mean the prize was booster packs. You know, this <laughs> this wasn't, you know, anything major. And yet he turned up with this deck and I just said, Well best of luck to you, mate, you know, and, and I think the closest game I had the whole day was against this young lad. And I actually had him beat. I didn't win a game all day, but I actually had this lad beat. Um at one point, and it was getting towards the end of the game. He had practically no life points left. I still had quite a few of mine. He had no way of getting through me. So I'd got him, I'd got Gravity Bind out. I'd got, I can't remember what the monster was. Um, I think it might have been marshmallow but it can't be destroyed by battle. I had him just locked down, and I was just chipping away at his life points turn after turn. And he was like, Yeah, I can't do anything. Can't do anything. And then in his turn, they did recently, one of the good things about Yu-Gi-Oh! just spinning off slightly, is that they introduced a banned list. So a lot of these cards that were released in, in IOC were actually banned. So things like Chaos Emperor Dragon, Blattlestar Soldier, they, they were banned. Yu-Gi-Oh! were like, okay, we see what's going on here, let's get rid of them and, and stop people playing them. Because that way, we can limit their, limit their, their impact on the game. They just recently, not long, unbanned Blackluster Soldier. They kind of said, okay, the game where it is at the moment, Blackluster Soldier isn't such a big deal anymore. He's easily stopped, he's easily negated, he's just easy to get out now. So they allowed him back in the game. And this lad literally was losing. And then he drew his Blackluster Soldier, <laughs> brought this Blackluster Soldier out on the field, removed my marshmallow from the game, attacked me, and won. Cause I didn't have anything else to stop it, and all my, all my, I, I depleted everything, <laughs> and I kind of looked and I just went, so without Blacklist Soldier, you wouldn't have won that game, which again really made me think that it was banned for a reason, it, and I understood that I'd got this lad locked down and he couldn't do anything, and his, his, you know, everything he was drawing was useless, but if it hadn't been for that one card, he lost, and it seemed like the strategy of Burner was really. It was too slow. It just wasn't going to do anything anymore. It it wasn't as effective. It, I lost every game that day. I think my mate Blakeman did as well. I may have won one uh, with Exodia, but once people clock onto what you're doing with Exodia, they quickly work to stop that. So he he'd not done very well either. But yeah, that was pretty much it in terms of. Um, competitive play for me I've never played in a competitive event since I'm very negative on competitive play when I look into as I say I still pick up stuff now for decks that I play so I have a hero deck I have my um, cyber dragon deck I've got my dark magician deck I will pick up cards for those for those decks and I do jump in and I'll have a look at what's going on and some of these decks that I see they're winning like turn one the game seems very much focused on Quickness, and I think when you get to a point where if you get that one card in your hand, in your starting hand, you're probably going to win on your turn, or you're going to be very close to winning on your turn. I think that really puts a damper on the game and really, really gives you a negative play experience. And games should be about interaction. So when you're playing a trading card game or a board game, there should be a level of interaction between you and either your opposition or your teammates or whoever. There should be that interaction. And it's, it feels like Yu-Gi-Oh! are doing its utmost to remove that interaction. It's just a case if you sit down, you play some cards and you win, and then you walk away. And that was how it felt, and that's how it still feels now. I don't know if it's the case. I haven't played in the competitive event. But that was how it felt at the time, and, and that was enough to really... Push me away completely from, from competitive play. And again, I've never played in a competitive event since, and this was early um, 2010s when this happened. So, you know, it's been a while. Things may have changed, but I, I don't see it being enough to get me back. So, I think that really, for me, is the, the negative spin on Yu Gi Oh! Um, I think the only other thing that would really be a negative spin for me would be costing. So, as I said earlier, if your credit card <laughs> bank card can win you the game that for me is that for me is a bit of a no no I think Konami have done a really good job of of bringing a lot of those cards out in common or making reprinting them to decrease their value, which is good um but I think there's still a very big level, like I said the um evil heroes recently produced some more support. I thought, yes, wonderful, I can get some more evil heroes, I can maybe even build a deck now, because they're so unreliable evil heroes with their original material, that I'd never really played them, Um, and then these cards that were printed were really expensive, you're talking, in some instances, one was like £80 plus when it came out, and I was like, yeah, I'm not, I love evil heroes, I love them as an archetype, I want them for my A collection and B to play, but I'm not going to pay that, not for coffee table gaming, so I think those are really my negative spins on on Yu Gi Oh, um, and sort of my negative thoughts on Yu Gi Oh. Um, again, we'll have another quick uh, another quick uh, musical chime, and then uh, we'll talk about sort of the current situation in terms of the game, where I'm, what I do, where I'm at, and then we'll go into some final thoughts and um, get this episode shut down. Uh, I'll be right back. Hi there. So as I said, we'll go into sort of um, current state of the game, um, and then we'll have a look at sort of a summary and final thoughts. As I said, the, the game's still in production. The game's still being made. The the production of it moved from Upper Deck to Konami. Not sure what the thought process was behind that. I can imagine it was probably a little bit of um, how Upper Deck had really forced it into a, a corner. So like I said, Konami have, have reprinted since Konami took over. They've reprinted a lot of cards. Um, And mainly to decrease, I would imagine, decrease the rarity and and value. So I'm sure the original versions of cards are still high in value for collectors. In terms of players, those those cards that were valued by players, they've now decreased in value and they're more easily picked up. A prime example of this would be Rageki. Rageki is from the very first set, Legend of Blue Eyes, has no cost to it, it's a spell card, it just destroys all your opponent's monsters, which is in the grand scheme of things, and when you look back, is horrific. It has no cost to it. You don't pay any life points, you don't have to sacrifice anything. It's just you have a load of monsters, I have now destroyed them. Um they've reprinted that as common in in the most recent Star Deck. It's you know, they've unbanned it and it's now a common card. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, turning these things into um, more easily accessible so it's something you're now going to have to worry about but yeah, I mean, the game's still in production it's still being made, as far as I know tournaments are still being played um, I do see a lot of people um, on like uh, YouTube and stuff who are streaming Yu-Gi-Oh! and their games and their deck tips and, and things like that So and their previews so I, I think the game probably still has quite a good standing locally I don't think there is anything at the moment. I've not seen, heard, um spoken to anybody who has any um local play. So I don't think there's any local tournament seen anymore. I know GTG in in Hanley still do tournaments. What are their turnouts like, I don't know. Um it's not something I want to inquire about as I said I think my negative play Experiences have have soured me to competitive events. For me, it's still just casual play, um, generally between myself, uh, Rob, Ash, and uh, Andrew. We're coffee table gaming, as I said. We sort of sit around. We've got these decks. We play them. Um, I had a good opportunity to look at some of Andrew's decks, and and we spent a little bit of money to update it. Well, he spent a little bit of money to update it. Only about ten pound, but he, he again he he likes what he likes. He doesn't want to um he he doesn't want to have to spend hundreds of pounds to 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 get things competitive um as i said i've stupidly spent some money when i kept adamantly saying i am not going to do this i am not going to do this and then of course i did it because like i said i'm an idiot um a prime example would be i I bought a pre-constructed hero deck off ebay it cost me like over 200 pounds the essentially because i bought it because i wanted a lot of the cards that were in the deck and it actually worked out cheaper just to buy the whole thing than it would have been to buy all the cards individually so i just sort of bit the bullet and just bought the whole thing i mean it came with deck covers and it came with a deck box so actually when i priced everything up i'd got a bit, bit of a steal really um, there was easily 30 40 quid worth of stuff that i didn't pay for which isn't in the grand scheme of things isn't too bad I do feel, though, that, like I said, the, the game speed seems to have increased to a point where a lot of decks now will be like one turn, two turn kill decks. And that, to me, just isn't isn't good. Um, they introduced uh, hand traps, which are now a big thing, where, essentially, if your opponent does a certain something, you can discard this um, hand trap, which essentially is a monster or a spell or trap card, um, from your hand. And it will activate and do something horrible. I think we moved away from sort of that local fun theme playing where it was you played as you wanted to play so if you were really into uh, machine monsters like me you could build a machine theme deck and you could play it and have a laugh those kind of days are gone um, I know a friend of mine, Sean, who has a water deck, and he he really put in effort. He got the the legendary oceans, he got all these sort of monsters that would be affected by it, and and really really put in some effort. And we were all really happy. Like we'd always have said for ages, we wanted someone to play a water deck, and and but in the grand scheme of things, it's it's unbelievably slow. He it pretty much never wins, which is which is a shame. And I think that's the state of the game at the moment. Um, again, it's really kind of pushed me away in terms of competitive play. It's all for me, the casual play now. Again, that coffee table gaming where you can just sort of sit, have a bit of a laugh. Um, Like I said, that hero deck I bought, I actually played it against Robert and I did that one turn kill. Like, literally, he played his turn. Again, the standard, one card face down, one monster face down in defense mode. Um, And then I said, okay, my turn. I had, I think because of the new, um, one of the new monsters, actually I forgot to mention, is Link Monsters, that are going your extra deck. They, give you essentially, an extra monster zone, so now you have, your five standard monster zones, plus one more, so you can, I, you can get six monsters, out on the field, and I did, in one turn, <laughs> um, which, which Rob sat there, looking at me, and was just like, you're kidding me right, and I just went no, and I was like, and the sad thing is, this isn't even like, a tournament winning deck, this isn't, this isn't anything that's gonna to go to a tournament and win. <laughs> this is this is this is the epitome of of casual gaming. And he just went, I don't want to ever play that again. And I was like, I'm never gonna play it against you ever again. <laughs> I'm gonna gonna have one game against Ash with it, um, just to see how it matches against his Blue Eyes deck. And then I'm probably gonna take it apart and actually rebuild, um, add my Destiny heroes, or do an Evil Hero deck as I originally wanted to. So I think really that's the the state of the game. Um at least it's still in production, so a game that I've really been into for such a long time, it's still being made and it's still being played which means, you know, in the future, you never know um, might see those uh, virtual virtual reality play play systems like they have in the series, that'd be really cool um, but again, I think by that time I'll probably be like an old man and a walker or something um, so that's it, I mean, for current state of the game um, which again, just have another quick musical musical break and then back just give my final thoughts and then we'll get this closed down hi welcome back so we'll just go into a summary final thoughts um, feelings emotions i think i'd easily say that um, pre-IOC was great there was a lot of variety a lot of different strategies a lot of different types of decks the the board was pretty varied. I don't think I ever played anybody in tournaments that had a similar deck to me. The post IOC IOC game, it, it got worse. Um, once the ban list came in, things did get a little bit better. Um, but I think by that point, for me anyway, the damage was kind of done. And as I said, going into that um, game at, at that tournament at GTG in uh, Fencing at the time was, was was kind of the final nail for me. In terms of competitive play, um, but again, I do feel the ban list has helped, and they update it all the time uh, based on the current sort of uh, meta. What's what's doing well, um, they'll they'll try and depower it just a little bit to try and get you into different styles of play and, and different themes. Unfortunately, quite often it just means that they've brought in another big, next powerful set that that's going to take over and be the number one played archetype. So. Yeah, it's a bit of an an odd one Yu-Gi-Oh. I like the fact that they allow you to use the full card pool. But there probably is some logic in, say, Magic the Gathering's uh, cycling. Pokemon, they do the same thing, where they cycle sets. um, And games I'll go into later on, for example, Versus System, they did uh, different formats, where it was Modern Age, Silver Age, and Golden Age, where you could only play certain numbers of sets. Um, and I think that really, in some cases, does really help. But I think Yu Gi Oh having that ban list has, has tried to try to avoid doing the cycling out, and, and tries to keep everything in the carpool pool. But at the same time, is kind of nice. I, I hate the idea of paying a fortune for a load of cards and then find out you can't use them in events. Um, but I think again, I'm not really interested in playing competitively anymore. I think it's all casual. Um, maybe a little bit of competitiveness there but it's still very casual there's no i'm not going to um, pay you know or lose out on anything if i get trounced in two turns by actual rob but at the same time they're not going to lose out on anything if i do the same to them i feel like i've got enough decks where i can play fun and i've got enough decks where I, if i you know actually if i've lost a couple of games and i want to actually get a win i can pull a deck out that's probably going to get me the win so that was really my final force Again, Yu-Gi-Oh! had a massive impact on my life. It got me into trading card games. It got me into um, hobby games. I'd not, like I said, I had Pokemon cards, but I never used them. It was, I have Pokemon cards. It was never, oh, let's play a game of Pokemon. It was, oh, I've got these cards. So to have them and, and play a game with them and have something that's still very... Um, still very dear to my heart I've actually had my uh, 10 month old son uh, (laughs) sat watching the original series of Yu-Gi-Oh we've actually not long finished him Um, not that he he knows what's happening or understands it but he does seem to like the theme song (laughs) He plays attention when the theme song comes on so you know hopefully there's some hope and and someday down the line I'll be sat with him around a coffee table and me and him will be uh, playing When I'm like 15 he's like 18, (laughs) we'll we'll be playing some games. That's the hope. That's the dream. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, Yu-Gi-Oh! is still very near and dear to my heart. A lot of memories, a lot of fun times. A lot of my friendship circle comes from the friends that I'd made while playing Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Again, huge impact on my life. It gave me an avenue to channel some some feelings Um, when I was having a lot of tough times at uni. um, When I could come home and play Yu-Gi-Oh! in a casual way. A lot of the time, my my decks would almost um, um, be a reflection of that of those feelings. So you could tell how I was using my deck if I was angry, and and if it gave me a way of channeling that in a in a in a sort of positive way and not being um, you know and it, it, not to go into too much detail, but at the time I'm very depressed at the time, and and it gave me that little release and that little way of of, of sort of directing that those feelings. Um, but yeah, so again, very near dear to my heart. It's a game I'm going to continue to keep playing. And when there are cards that will boost the decks I have, I probably will pick them up. Um, again, probably singles cards like eBay kind of jobs. Not 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 interested in picking up boosters unless there's like a set that has a hundred cards in it that I want. In which case, I probably will. But outside of that, it's probably just single card purchases. Keep it cheap where possible, and then just just get the stuff I need for my decks. Um, so those are really my summaries and and final thoughts Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening Um, if you do have any questions or comments please feel free to get in touch or or leave the comments Um, again if you're interested in in listening again I'm going to be continuing with this timeline Um, the next episode will be about the Versus system the original variant of the Versus system and then from there on we'll move forward and maybe see if i can get someone on to go through maybe a real deal with me uh, and a couple of other games as well um, thank you very much for listening i have a big boss i'm out peace